That's great. That's great. I don't know in the team for that. I never knew Dunk worried about whether his bum looked big and things or not. There you go. Something new about Duncan we all learned this morning. Yeah. It's great to be here with you guys again. It's my joy to bring God's word to you. My name's Sai, if you don't know who I am. And uh, I have to confess that this morning, I just feel that this um, sense of enormity, uh, uh, the passage that I've got to try and bring the, to you this morning in 30 minutes. It's a bit like, I feel a bit like trying to measure the sea with just a little measuring jug. It feels a bit impossible. So um, I'd encourage you in your own time to just spend time reading God's Word. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open it at 2 Corinthians 4. And if, if you haven't, it will appear on the screen. But if you've got them, I'd encourage you to keep your Bible open because I'll keep referring back to the passage, um, of course. Anyway, I'm going to begin in just the end of chapter 3. And I'm going to read into chapter 5, although I'm only speaking on chapter 4, just because it, it flows so well and you'll see. So it says this in verse 16. But when one turns or repents, as Chris said last week, to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Therefore, having this ministry, the ministry of the new covenant of the gospel, by the mercies of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhand ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over, given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. 
Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. That's Psalm 116 and there the psalmist is praising God for his deliverance from death. We also believe and, we, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. That's the church at Corinth, or the church generally. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we be unclothed, but that we be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee." Hallelujah. What great verses. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you, by your spirit, will give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, you would help us to just see how glorious you are. You would help us to be better servants of you, Lord God. Just minister, as you have been so beautifully by your spirit during our worship. Continue just to captivate our hearts with your beauty afresh this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And there's just two simple points I want to bring to you all this morning. Firstly, that is the glory of Jesus Christ as revealed in the gospel. And then secondly, that the gospel is proclaimed by ordinary servants, not superstars. So you can all breathe a sigh of relief. Anyway, well, some of you are superstars anyway. Uh, anyway. Glory of Jesus Christ as revealed in the gospel. Just going to play a little exercise uh, with you here. Uh, there's two choices. And so if I was to offer you a 50p or a 50 pound note, put, you had a choice of one or the other, put your hand up here if you'd say yes to the 50p. Well, there's one person, oh, two people in the room, oh, three, just to be awkward, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, so the most of you are sensible. Well done, well done, you get the, the 50 pound note. Okay, if I was to offer you a 45 gram bar of dairy milk, forget what the nurse may say, or an 850 gram bar of dairy milk, who would go for the 45 
grand bar of dairy milk. Oh, there's a few of you, more than I expected. I don't think you're being honest, if I'm honest, but uh, uh, there you go. Uh, most of us would go for the 850 grand bar. Okay, final one, final one. If I was to offer you, free of charge, all expenses paid, holiday to the Seychelles or to Skegness. Who here would choose Skegness? Oh, it's one or two of you. Okay, yes, strange people, strange people. Yes, the majority of you sensible ones, the Seychelles would win. You see, in truth, most of us would exchange a lesser thing for a greater thing if we had the choice of the greater thing. And that's what Chris was saying in his preach last week as he looked through chapter 3. He was looking at the, how the new covenant is so much greater, so much more glorious than the old covenant. In the new covenant, we don't have to earn our salvation before God. In fact, in the old covenant, you couldn't either. But uh, no one can become righteous before God through our own actions. It's a bit like if you were covered in grease and oil and grime and you were in a white, white room, you couldn't clean up that white room while you were still dirty. You need to be cleaned yourself first. And that's the gospel, my friends. That's the new covenant, the new agreement with God. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He who was perfect, who was completely clean, chose to die on a cross for you and for me so that he on that cross could bear the punishment that you and I deserve for the things that we have done wrong and the wrong of everyone who puts their faith in him is placed on Jesus. So we get that shower, so to speak. So we're clean then before God. The sinless one, Jesus, died in our place. And then through his Holy Spirit's power at work in you and at work in my life, we're then able to start doing the works of God, able to do good works that God has prepared in advance. That's the glorious gospel. That's the wonderful truth. You don't and can't earn it, but you receive it by faith when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Outside of Jesus, the Bible is very clear, there is no hope of you getting right with God. You're under his wrath for how you've treated your creator, how we treat each other, and how we treat his creation as well. But through Jesus, through faith in him, when we surrender to him, we get adopted into God's family. We're his beloved children with a glorious eternal future awaiting us. It's beyond all comparison, Paul said in our passage here. Anything that we go through in this life doesn't compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in the age to come. Verse 17 and 18 of our passage make clear. And if you're here today or if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus and you want to surrender your life to him, then can I encourage you just to pray this short prayer along with me. Just pray it in your heart. God knows what you're thinking. He who created you knows everything about you. Just pray this. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all that I have done that offends you. Help me by the power of your spirit 
to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. 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 Well done if you prayed that. Please come and speak to me afterwards if you're in the room. If you're watching online, please contact the office. We'd love to give you just a a track to, to help you in your walk with Jesus and talk to you a bit more about the decision that you have made. But for most of us in the room, we've already made that decision in our past. But over time, problems can come when we get distracted by the transient things of this life, the things we see, rather than keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who is eternal and at the moment is unseen. Mo Bastable in the week of prayer reminded us, didn't she? She felt that word from God of that we need to be consumed again with our first love and he will deal with the other stuff. Are you consumed by your first love for Jesus Christ? Paul here tells us that actually we, we need to be consumed with that love. With, we are ones that have seen the light of the glory of Jesus, the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. People out in the world, they haven't seen it. That's why they don't realise how great he is. John Calvin, the famous theologian, writes on verse 3 and 4. He says this, The conclusion is that the blindness of unbelievers in no way detracts from the clarity of his gospel. The sun is no less bright because blind men do not perceive its light. In fact, it's actually a creative miracle, verse 6 makes clear, when anyone turns to Jesus. So the fact that if you're here today and you believe in Jesus, God has done a creative miracle in your heart, verse verse 6 makes clear. Just as in the beginning when God began his creation and made the world in six days, he started by saying, let there be light. That was the first creative miracle on day one. And the same Creative miracle has to happen in your heart. Because we are spiritually dead. We are spiritually in darkness. And Jesus, who is the light of the world, has to shine into your heart and in, through you into the hearts of other people around us. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 5. Our job as believers, like the Apostle Paul is to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to let that light shine out to other people so that we can be like John the Baptist who could say, I must decrease, Jesus must increase. John Calvin says again, he who would preach Christ alone must of necessity forget himself. We need to forget ourselves and focus on presenting Jesus to others. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, that's what effectively we have chosen to do as Christians. We have chosen to die to ourselves and to live for him. That means our plans, our energy, our time, our finances, everything needs to be surrendered 
to Jesus and given over to him. Like the Apostle Paul could say elsewhere, for him to live is Christ. Does that describe you, my friends? Or have you got distracted by other things? The light of the gospel is supposed to shine out through our lives to those around us. We're supposed to be like that open statement, as Paul writes here, appealing to everyone's conscience so that they too can see the beauty of Jesus. The theologian Tom Wright says about verse 2, everyone has a conscience to which this message will make its appeal, like a message from an almost forgotten relative, awakening, awakening memories of hope. That's our job, church. That's what we're still here to do. That's why we're still here, is because we're called to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus to everyone around us, to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Actually, it's a reason why in verse 15, Paul writes it. It's not, it's not so that he can say, look, this is what I'm doing. It's so that we can copy his example. And we too could say, um, as it says in verse 15, it is all for your sake, the church's sake. We do all for the church's sake. Why? So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. John Calvin also writes on this, for the only way to serve Christ is by serving his church as well. My friends, are you servants of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you serving his church? That's why we're still here. That's why it's important that we invite people on Alpha Course. It's not just another thing we're doing. People need to see Jesus. My friends, the devil doesn't just blind the, the eyes of non-believers who need that creative miracle of God to happen there. He distracts believers. And I just feel that God would want to say to us afresh this morning, don't get distracted by the cares of this world. Don't get distracted by worldly things. I feel God would say, get captivated by the beauty, by the glory of Jesus Christ afresh this morning. Jesus, the one who is the word of God, made flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1 verse 14. Or elsewhere, Jesus is described as the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. Hebrews 1 verse 11. The one who is almighty and all-powerful, and yet the one who is gentle and kind to all people. The one who is exalted to the highest place, above everything in the universe, and yet loves to dwell with the humble and the poor in spirit. The one who is totally holy and good, and yet in Love made the way for the unrighteous and the repentant sinner to come into God's presence as his friends. Don't let any momentary affliction or pleasure distract you from the one who holds your life in his hands. Your very next breath, the Bible is clear, is in God's 
hands. Don't get distracted by anything else other than Jesus. Because in his hands is actually life and true life and life in all its fullness. Life that bubbles up, the Bible says, into eternal life. Charles Hodge, famous theologian, writes this to us. He says, A regard for the glory of Christ is a far higher motive than a regard for the good of men. The ideal Christian is a preacher of Christ and a servant of the church governed and animated by the love of Jesus. Does that describe you, my friends? Does that describe where you're at this morning? To an honest assessment of your heart this morning, is that where you're at? Or have other things distracted you? If they've distracted you, just take a moment to repent of that before God is gracious and loving, as we've heard this morning. He wants to grab hold of you. He wants to captivate your heart. Don't let other things take that position in your heart. Repent of it and let him fill you with his love. So we're called to be ministers of the gospel and to declare the glory of Jesus. But the second thing I wanted to bring to us this morning is that whilst the gospel is glorious and Jesus is glorious, it's just ordinary servants like you and me who proclaim it. Paul says, but we have this treasure that is the reality of the gospel, the presence of the Holy Spirit and hope of eternal life within us. We have, we have that treasure within jars of clay, within our mortal bodies that he yeah, says here are, are wasting away. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. And just to help remind you here, at no expense spared, someone is going to win one pound. Oh yes, one pound. So, can I have a volunteer here to win one pound, please? Anyone? Oh, Owen's got his hand up. He can be the first one. Okay. There is a pound under here. You can't look underneath because it's a glass table. There's a slight mistake there, but never mind. Take one, and uh, if you win, if you get the pound, it's yours, Owen, at no expense spared. Well, that's your staff. You can put it in the offering on the way out. <laughs> Doesn't the ox deserve his wage? Uh, oh, the ox deserves his wage. Oh, okay. Down you. Anyone else want a chance to win one pound? Okay, nay. It's a, it's a big prize, you know, guys. One whole pound. Go on. Hooray! She's got it. See? Thank you, Nay. Well done. Well done. Treasures in jars of clay. You see, you can't see it just because... You can see the pound because the cup that was hiding it. But actually, our bodies sometimes hide the glory that is revealed within us. And we're called to share that with those around us. You see, you might not feel like you're strong enough. You might not feel like you're particularly wise or able to share the good news with your friends, with your family, with your neighbours or work colleagues. But you know, the great news is that makes you absolutely perfect for God to use you. Amen? Paul says a little later in this letter, God's power is made perfect 
in our weakness. In his previous letter, 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. So even if you are wise this morning, you need to realise that actually you're totally dependent on God to save anybody. It's not through your wise persuasion because you need that creative miracle. So whether you feel wise or not, you, as long as you just throw yourself on God and trust him, you are perfect for God to use you. Say to the person next to you, God wants to shine through you. Amen. He does. It's true. Like Paul, let's not be tempted to uh, use disgraceful or underhand ways to try and use cunning to sneak people into the, uh, the, the kingdom or to try and water down or change God's word to make it more acceptable to the audience. We proclaim the truth as revealed in here, is an open statement revealed by Jesus and recorded for all time in his word. This is God's word to us. It's the standard on which we build our lives. It's the truth on which we stand. And even prepared to stand on it if it makes us unpopular and face persecution because of it. Even if it means we're tempted, like the Apostle Paul, to lose heart or even if it means that we end up being afflicted in every way unlikely to be as bad as Paul had to go through but still we have to face our own things even if it means we're perplexed if we're persecuted if we're struck down if we feel like we're being given over to death all these things even if it feels like our, our life our body is wasting away. Life is tough, my friends. And if you choose to follow Jesus, yes, you enter into the blessing of knowing him where his yoke is easy and his burden is light. As Jesus says, yes, you enter into the blessing of, of, of knowing him. And yet Jesus says, for the very fact that you know him, you will have trouble. Paul says, all who live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall Suffer, not, not may do, shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. You need to understand that. So, you know, that refrain from the, the song we sung last week everything gets sweeter, everything gets brighter. That's true in eternity, but it's not true, it's not a present reality. We have to be honest uh, about that. Some days are pretty rubbish, in fact, that we have to go through. You need to be honest with yourself. The, um, the, the theologian Barnett writes about the Apostle Paul that Paul in this passage is so emotionally honest with us. It's not weakness to say that you are struggling. It doesn't mean that you're, you're lacking faith. You say, actually guys, I'm really struggling at the moment. I'm finding things difficult. The famous theologian Charles Hodge says, few passages in Paul's writing show so clearly his inner exercise amidst the suffering and when death seemed so near. He was well aware of the danger and yet his confidence 
in, his, in the ultimate triumph was unshaken. He was sustained by the assurance that the life of Christ secured his life. That if Jesus rose, he would rise too. One commentary actually highlights the fact that where they use the word struck down, that can be, tra- that can be applied both physically and also emotionally as well. You're struck down, you're brought low emotionally, you're depressed. As Chris encouraged us last week, let's not be people that put on our game face of, oh, everything is all right. Actually, let's be honest with God and let's be honest with each other about how we're doing, knowing that in Christ that we won't be crushed, that we won't be driven to despair, that we won't be forsaken or destroyed. We're given over to death so that the life of Jesus may be manifested through us to other people around us. Our outer self is wasting away, yes, but our inner self, that's our, our heart, our, the, the, you know, who we are inside, is being renewed by God. God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to refresh you again. He wants to fill you with his love and resurrection power in your inner being. And he wants you to be filled every day. You see, the kingdom of God is not health, wealth, and happiness, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The treasures of God this side of eternity are more focused on the inside than they are the external, transient things. Sometimes God may bless you with external things too, but sometimes those external things, and often those external things, can lead to distractions as well. So my friends, draw strength from the Holy Spirit this morning. Embrace suffering and affliction for the sake of the gospel. Spend your energy work in working hard for the Lord Jesus Christ and serving his church out of love. For you will be building up for yourself a rich eternal reward in heaven, the Bible says. Don't confuse being weary with being tired. If you're tired, go to bed. If you're weary, go to God and he will refresh your soul. Deal ruthlessly with sin as it not only wears you down, but it makes you ineffective for God. And remember that whilst we're called to, we are beloved children of God, we're called to be servants of Jesus for his sake as well. Jesus, the one who himself is Lord of all, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. So give your life in service of the one who loves you with an everlasting love, the one who has you in his hands. Choose to lift your eyes again to see the beauty of Jesus, the one who deserves the highest praise and the highest honour knowing that your life is safe, is valued, it's precious in his sight. It's protected by him as well. Nothing can happen to you as you're living for God that is outside of his purpose and plan for you. My friends, what a privilege it is to be servants of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Can I invite you to stand? Can I invite the band to come back up as well, please? 
the worship team can come up, it'd be great. I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know what you're going through on the inside at the moment. I don't know, but God knows exactly where you're at at the moment. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows your concerns. He knows your hopes, your dreams, everything. Can I just encourage us to put our hands out before God? He wants to meet with you. And can I encourage us just to lay everything down afresh before him? And just to say, Jesus, I want to be captivated by you. All these things, I lay them at your feet. I want to be who you want me to be. I want my life to serve you and do what you want me to do in my life, not what I want to do in my life. So I'm just going to pray. I just feel the Holy Spirit is here. He wants to meet with you afresh, personally. Not the person next to you, he's going to meet with them too. It's not like there's a limited supply of the Spirit of God. Jesus is the one who has the spirit without measure and he's chosen to pour him out on his people. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. I just pray, come right now, Lord God, pour out your spirit on each person in this room, Lord God. You know everything about them, Lord God, and you love them with an everlasting love. Lord, just come and fill them afresh, Lord God, as we choose to lift our eyes off the situation, off our worries, off our fears, off our hopes and dreams, and look at you afresh and place our life in your hands, Lord God. I just pray, come, Holy Spirit, do that, Lord. Do that, that wonderful work. Help us to see you afresh, Lord Jesus. Help us to be consumed by a love for you afresh that we had at first. Lord God, do that deep work in us, Lord God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just use this closing song as a way of placing Jesus where he should be in our lives. Mm-hmm.